Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Health Animated. On this podcast, we strive to make health information accessible to you. My name is Alex. And I'm Danielle. If you're returning to our podcast, then welcome back and thanks for your ongoing support. And if you're listening for the first time, welcome. We hope you stick around. So we are back from our little hiatus, but it also kind of feels like we never took a break at all because we've been working quite hard behind the scenes preparing for new podcast content. I don't know. How do you feel about this? Yeah, I'm excited. I think we've got some really good stuff in store for what we're calling season two of this podcast. Season two. Yep. We've been renewed for another season by us. Yeah, stay tuned for lots of exciting content for season two. Going back to today's episode, I know that not many people know about this, but this month is very special for pharmacies and pharmacy staff members because this month is known as Pharmacy Appreciation Month, also known as PAM, because who doesn't love a great acronym? So in Canada, it is a great time for us to shine a spotlight on all things related to pharmacy. There's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to pharmacists and what we do. And today, we just really want to shed a spotlight on that and try to clear up some of those myths because I know we had like Sharon and Corey on earlier, but when Alex and I went and started Googling some of the things that people wonder about pharmacists and pharmacy, there was some really interesting questions. These are all of the questions that the world wants to know because clearly they spent some time doing some googling so we are here to bring you the answers keep in mind that this episode is really just for fun and our responses do not represent the opinions or views of other pharmacists so with that being said shall we get started yeah i think so Okay, our first question is, how do pharmacists help patients? Ooh, that's a nice way to ease into it. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. So I think it's safe to say, Alex, that we help patients in ways that sometimes they don't even know about or can't imagine is even possible. I know that makes us sound like these behind-the-scenes superheroes, but I would say in some, some respects, your pharmacist is... A little uh, behind the scenes superhero helping to make sure that your medications are necessary, effective, safe, and that you can actually take them. So we look at all of these things when you're filling a prescription, whether that's in a community or in a hospital setting. Um, So just to kind of look at things uh, a little bit deeper, you know, necessary is pretty self-explanatory. Is the drug needed or is it not? But from an effectiveness standpoint, there's just so many different things that we look at for from an effectiveness standpoint. So we look at, is the drug effective for the condition? How effective is it? What are the other alternatives that are effective for this condition? And is there going to be anything that could interact to prev- decrease the efficacy of this medication? And then 
we look at safety. So is this medication safe for you? It's pretty self-explanatory. So, you know, what are the side effects of this medication? What are your medical conditions that could affect how this medication works for you? Is it still safe to take with those other medical conditions that you have? Is it going to interact with any of the medications that you're taking, with any of the herbal supplements that you're taking? or with any of the -the over-the-counter medications that you're taking. And then we also look at, um, is it safe in certain conditions like pregnancy or breastfeeding? What about if you have, you know, reduced kidney function or liver function? We look at all of that. Um, And then can you actually take it? So can you adhere to it? And this is kind of where practicality really comes into play. So some questions are, can you afford it? And that's really important, right? Because if it's too expensive or the clinical team hasn't applied for the appropriate authorizations, it might cost a lot of money. And that's a huge barrier for people, right? Is it too many times a day that you have to take this medication? Is it too hard to remember? Like there's just so many factors that kind of come into play with, can you actually take the medication? So it's a very practical thing. So I think something that kind of stuck with me when I was in residency was um, one of our preceptors used to say, you know, logistics is everything. And it truly is like you can have the best laid plans, but at the end of the day, we need to make sure that we have a sound way of executing everything. So yeah, I think those are some of the things that are going on behind the scenes when we're, I guess, uh, working you up, so to speak. Yeah, that was a really good explanation. And it kind of goes to show like all these like questions that come into our heads we're essentially trying to protect you. The way I look at it is that we are the last line of defense before the medication gets into your hand. By having this like systematic approach to um, assessing the drug therapy, it really allows us to create this, you know, faux proof, so to speak, approach in um, preparing medications for you. And ultimately, How we help you is by ensuring that the medication you're receiving is tailored specifically for you. In addition to making sure you get the right drug, within like a community pharmacy setting, there's also other services your pharmacist can provide uh, for you. So just to name a few things. Here in British Columbia. Yeah, like that's a good point. So it really also just depends on um, where you live, like things vary by province within Canada and, you know, looking at more on a global stage, I'm sure what a pharmacist can do can be quite different depending on where you're from. I know like in some countries, pharmacists are viewed more as like someone who compounds medications, prepare medications, so more like doing the, like almost, almost like acting like a chemist, like preparing medications and having a lot of knowledge around that. And then in other countries, such as Canada, I think our role is more focused around interfacing with patients, providing advice to them, also advising on drug therapies with prescribers and things like that. Anyways, I feel like I'm losing my point. But what I was trying to say is in terms of like other possible services that a pharmacist could provide to you would include things such as giving you a vaccine. So so providing you with an injection obviously something that's very important um, in today's pandemic where we now have the COVID-19 vaccines and so pharmacists continue to play a really big role in ensuring the public health and safety. We could also provide uh, emergency supplies 
which is essentially like, say, if you're on a medication long term, let's just say birth control pills, for example, if you run out of your prescription, your pharmacist may be able to provide you with a short supply to tie you over to ensure that you are able to continually take your medication and give you time to see the doctor for a new prescription. So we have a bit of flexibility and latitude when it comes to ensuring that you are able to continue on with your drug therapy. Yeah, so we're pretty cool. I'm <laughs> just joking. Yeah, hey, I think so. You're so modest, Alex. <laughs> I like to think I'm humble, but my partner would argue something else. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I guess one other thing that I kind of would just like to point out when it comes to how we keep you safe when it comes to assessing a prescription, the more information that you can give your pharmacist, the better. Because when you get that prescription filled from your doctor and you're handing it over to your pharmacist, if you don't have a relationship with that pharmacist, if you're getting it filled somewhere that you've never been before, they don't really know a lot about you or about your medical conditions, about your medical history. So in order for them to kind of be able to do everything to the best of their ability they need to ask you a few of those questions and so don't feel kind of uncomfortable if they're saying oh hey like do you have any allergies do you have any medical conditions because those are all important parts about uh, them doing their job so yeah I think it's it makes the job of a community pharmacist a lot easier if you can provide that information to them yeah I couldn't agree more it's really I think it's an equal partnership between the pharmacist and the patient so and it all starts with a trusting relationship like we can actually do a lot for you and sometimes all it takes is asking and, and sharing the necessary information absolutely okay i think we crushed that question <laughs> actually one more thing as you guys might know by now i work in a hospital setting and alex worked in a community setting previously i still do just once a month <laughs> yeah so during my community rotations another thing that people didn't really fully um, realize sometimes is that pharmacists can also provide advice for the over-the-counter medications so you know when you're just out there looking for a cough and cold medication you know what it's probably a really good idea to talk to your pharmacist because not only are they going to help to find something that is effective and safe for you they're probably going to save you some money too so just ask if there's any questions about any of those things that are on the pharmacy shelves because we are here to help and we really love it when you ask questions yeah no good point community pharmacists super helpful with over-the-counter type questions because like there's just so many products on the shelf and it can be quite overwhelming like even just looking at coffin code it's a huge money maker and it takes up a huge section of the aisle and and i feel bad because part of it just creates a lot of confusion like how many different variations of a cough and cold product can there be? So it's just nice to have a pharmacist kind of walk you through the ingredients and make sure that the ingredients in the bottle are necessary for the symptoms, for your symptoms. Yeah, talk to your pharmacist. Okay, so Alex, uh, we digress a little bit. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to take us to the next question, which is how do pharmacists make pills? Okay, I'm going to take a stab at this question. I think the direction I'm going to take is I want to take you folks through a little bit of pharmacy history and mythology. So the practice of pharmacy is actually quite ancient. 
And believe it or not, the practice of pharmacy is actually considered both as a science and art from like a history and mythology perspective. So for example, if you think of like the really olden days, ancient days, if you have a person that like finds a really cool plant and like extracts the juices of the plant and apply it to say like an open wound on another human, that is the art of pharmacy being practiced in a very natural sense. And in Greek mythology, there was a god of healing art called Asclepius who had delegated the responsibility of compounding his remedies to Hygieia. As the Greek goddess of health and hygiene, she was basically his pharmacist or apothecary. So taking that Greek mythology, you may also recognize something called the bowl of Hygieia, which is a really famous symbol in the pharmacy world. Basically, it's like a cup or chalice with a snake twined around its stem. And now I'm going to take you to ancient Egypt. So in ancient Egypt, the priests were actually divided into two classes. So you had those that visited the sick and the very ill. And then you also had those that remained in the temple. And their main responsibility was preparing remedies for those patients, also known as pharmacists. And now let's fast forward to around the time of World War II which really saw the rise of the pharmaceutical industry. So I know some of you may see it as like the big pharma, where essentially they started to play a really big role in discovering and developing new and effective drug treatments. So naturally, what that means is the role of making remedies and medicine, such as pills, lotions, tablets, etc., really started to diminish. And now fast forward to present day, the nice thing is that most of the drugs are actually commercially available. So they're really being produced and discovered by these drug companies, which is really great because it really offers a high level of standardization for these products. And what that means is the pharmacist has freed up time, um, not being in the back making medications, and it really allows the pharmacist to continue to support the well-being of patients. So by providing advice and information, by making sure that the drug is effective and safe for the individual and providing advice to prescribers and other healthcare providers. So that was a really long-winded answer to the question of how do pharmacists make pills. Um, essentially, you could argue that probably over 90% of drugs are already made and it's commercially available. And it's just a really small subset of prescriptions that need to be compounded by the pharmacist in present day yeah and um you know some of those compounds could be things like you know creams and lotions um even suppositories even suppositories but in the setting that i work in in the hospital we also compound um sterile uh, iv products or mm. um, non-oral roots so parenteral medications yeah and most of that compounding is actually done by pharmacy technicians so not even by pharmacists. So, and that's uh, a skill that really only the pharmacy technicians hold for the most part. Yeah, no, really, really good point. I think this is a perfect time to spread some love to our pharmacy technicians, pharmacy assistants, and other staff members that really have specialized training in preparing some of these more complex drug regimens. So as Danielle mentioned, like they have training in preparing IV drugs, they also have a lot of training in making compounded medication. So those are your creams and lotions. Yeah, I feel like even back when we were in school, we 
got a very um, high-level overview of, of these types of drug products. And IV drugs wasn't even in our curriculum, so we really do owe it to these pharmacy technicians and assistants to help us with these more complicated drug regimens. So shout out to them. Totally. And um, just because I know some people don't actually know what IV drugs are, so there's actually some drugs that go directly into the bloodstream. So um, yeah, oftentimes when you're, you know, when you've watched Grey's Anatomy, you'll probably (laughs) see that there's certain drugs that they're just injecting right into the veins. So yeah, those are, or they're hanging in like an IV bag from a, from a pole infusing via a smart pump. So yeah, we, we do all of that in the hospital. Next question. Uh, Okay. Next question is how do pharmacists count pills? Okay. So (laughs) How do pharmacists count pills? Well, okay, so ah, this question, it really dispense quantity. It is very, very, very important, definitely. But that's not all we do. That's not all pharmacists do. That's not all pharmacy technicians do. That's not all pharmacy assistants do. Before you go any further, I just need to get this off my chest. How many times have we watched the news and it's about, it's like a segment on like medication or pharmacy or whatnot. And guess what? The camera always focuses on counting pills. Someone counting the pills. So I, I mean, I don't blame people for it because honestly, that's how we're constantly being perceived, and that's how the media perceives us. So, but anyways, yeah. that's just a little pet peeve of mine. Yeah, we we don't only count pills. Show us talking to patients. Yeah, we do. We talk to patients. But I remember when I was a student working in community, um, one of the patients asked, like, oh, you're a student, like, how long do you go to school for? I was like, at the time, there wasn't the PharmD program, right? So we graduated with the BSc Farm. So at the time, I said, oh, you know, it's four years of pharmacy plus a year of undergrad science is mandatory. So five years total. And she goes, five years to put pills in a bottle? Then I had to kind of provide some education and say, you know, that's not all we do. So yes, okay. So you guys, it's not all we do. So just to kind of answer the question from Google, how do pharmacists count pills? Well, we count pills by fives in that counting tray because it's easy to eyeball. And it's really easy when you get into the flow. So for the most part, your uh, dispense quantities are going to be pretty divisible by five. And if it's not, then it's easy to just count a less than five remainder. So anyway, I'm working in this community pharmacy and I'm counting away And somebody had the audacity to tell me, you know, Danielle, you're not that fast at counting. Like, what do they teach you in school? Why can't you count faster? And I was just really deeply offended and a little bit triggered. That's why Alex said, does this trigger you? Because, um, yeah, you know, nobody wants to hear that they're not counting fast enough. I'm going to count as fast as I can, for God's sakes. But anyway, so and you know what? There's some pharmacists out there that have been using automated processes to count things for years so my father who's a pharmacist he has been a pharmacist for over 30 years and the year that he graduated he was working for a pharmacy where they were also hand counting pills and when he went and opened his own pharmacy the first thing he did was buy an automated pill counter because he's like yeah i i don't want to count pills it gives me a headache <laughs> like he'll we'll only count the things that we really have to double count but anyway, that is uh, definitely a philosophy that him and I share. I'm not, I'm not a fan of hand counting things. I totally agree with your dad. Like we love technology and, and we embrace technology. 
Um, I know that back when I was working full time um, in a community pharmacy, like we would have this huge machine that would do all the counting for us, like our top, like they're basically, it's basically a, a large machine with like all these cells that contain obviously drugs inside them so you can think of it as like a huge vending machine so it does all the counting for us love that machine and when it broke down oh my god it was like all hell broke loose and then i also know like sometimes you could some pharmacies would use these like smaller versions where it's like a portable counting machines where you basically pour the pills into a funnel and then it just counts it for you so there's a lot of ways to um count pills these days and and yeah, really, like, counting pills is such a small piece of what we do, even though it's, like, disproportionately represented by, like, the media and other things. <laughs> and also now by us in this podcast, because we spent so much time talking about it. <laughs> this, will be, this will be the last time we talk about counting. Never again. With that being said, I think we should move on to the next question. Is this one awkward? It's a little awkward. It's, it's awkward. Let's ask it anyways. They love awkward. okay so so how do pharmacists make money i think i'm going to try to break it down between sort of like the private sector and like the public sector okay so i'm going to take you folks through the private sector of pharmacies so that's like your mom and pop stores your chain pharmacies your big box retail stores So what happens is at the store level, we would buy drugs from a wholesaler and pharmacies have a bit of latitude in determining how much markup to put on that drug. But there is usually a limit and that limit is typically determined by the government. So in a nutshell, the markup is generally pretty low. So that's like the drug cost. And then in association with the drug cost, there's also what's called a dispensing fee and that's a small fee that we charged for the service we provide so like our our clinical thought process you know it could also cover parts of our overhead and things like that in provinces like british columbia the dispensing fee is like ten dollars per medication and if you look at like projected business models this dispensing fee does not really even cover the overhead of the pharmacy so that is not good because that is, uh, yeah. We're not really good business people, let's just say. <laughs> Without going like too off script, like if you think about it, we're one of the few healthcare providers that bills things based on like, a, like it's like a product oriented type of payment. Whereas like other healthcare providers, if you look at like nurses or like, sorry, nurse practitioners, uh, doctors, they kind of bill based on like the service they provide. Uh, so it's a really interesting like model that that we're using where it's like, yeah, product oriented. But anyways, I digress. So kind of going back to like the drug and the dispensing fee. So that total would be then charged to the patient. And some patients might be covered through, they have like a work plan that covers drugs, then that can get like third party insurance that can get charged towards that if they're covered by the provincial drug plan a part of it could also be covered by that so that's essentially how you make money in a pharmacy there's also other clinical services that 
pharmacists can provide, such as a medication review, providing a vaccination. So after we provide those services, we can then bill that towards the government and then they'll pay us for providing that service to the patient. And those services are really important, like the medication review in particular, like, you know, having a pharmacist take the time to sit down with you and go through each and every one of your medications and see, is this necessary? Is it effective? Is it safe? Can you take it? Like, there is real value in that. And that is where a lot of, you know, issues can be kind of caught and uh, corrected and where we can liaise with your other healthcare providers to kind of optimize your care. So it's definitely a service that I think is probably underutilized by both uh, like the pharmacists and the public. This segues nicely into our next question, which is, what does a pharmacist do in a hospital? Okay, it's a, it's a good question. So it's very similar to what um, pharmacists do in the community. So we make sure that all of the medications that are dispensed or that you're on are, you know, necessary, effective, safe, and that you can take them. And we also make sure that you get your medications in a timely manner. And in a hospital setting, like this timeliness is really, really critical because because you could be a patient that is in a critical care area. So um, where time is of the essence and these therapies are life-saving. So there's a lot of um, emphasis on efficiencies and how to improve efficiencies and from a hospital perspective. So we really do um, look at that when we're dispensing medications. And as I, we kind of touched on earlier, like in those kind of uh, critical care settings, we make a lot of um, intravenous medications or non-oral medications, so parenteral medications. Uh, for our patients because either they can't take oral medications or they're critically ill and require um, the therapy to get absorbed directly into the bloodstream and get to its site of action quicker than what um, would happen if you're taking it by mouth. And in a hospital setting, uh, pharmacists can also work directly in the patient care wards. So these are clinical pharmacists who could be assigned a specific ward or caseload of patients, and they are reviewing the therapies of the patients and helping to optimize their medications. So making sure that they're necessary, effective, safe, and that they can take them. So they'll have a list of patients every morning that they need to look after, and they'll see, oh, you know, Mr. So-and-so is admitted and they have got reduced kidney function. I better go and adjust their medications to make sure that it's not going to be too high of a dose for them. Or, oh, we have this antibiotic that somebody started on. I need to make sure that we do drug levels on this and adjust the doses based on that. So, those are some of the services that clinical pharmacists provide and they also will just find a host of um of things that could be improved upon in your therapy so you know oh i think we can optimize this because this patient's medical condition could be improved or this medication there's new evidence for a better one when i was working as a clinical pharmacist you would just uh do a lot of running around interviewing your patients and trying to make sure that everything is um, the best it can be for your patients and then also helping to make sure that when the patient goes home that they know what they're supposed to be taking what they're supposed to be stopping and making sure that everything that we're sending them home on is something that they can afford and that 
the plan is okay and that they can take these medications when they return home. So we're really there to just make sure that the patients uh, receive the best care possible and the best medication therapy possible. Yeah, regardless of what setting you work in, the common goal is making sure patients get their medications in a timely manner, that it's safe and it's effective and that they're able to afford it, right? So those are some common threads across all types of practice settings. So really appreciate you just walking us through the day-to-day of a hospital pharmacist. Yeah, and I feel like something that I didn't really highlight, which I think is pretty cool, is that pharmacists can also work in different clinical areas. So you can have pharmacists working in like a cardiac unit. You can have them working in a kidney unit. You can have them working in a medicine unit, in a surgical unit, uh, in a transplant unit. And all of the different medications in each of those areas are just so kind of unique and niche in some cases. So um, you get really good at that certain clinical area and you're, you become an expert in that field, so to speak. So um, yeah, your pharmacist is really a wealth of knowledge. So if you ever come across a hospital pharmacist, do pick their brain, you know, talk to your pharmacist, they're your medication expert. So Alex, the next question is really funny. So how do pharmacists read doctor's writing? So when we were in school, there was this course called Pharmacy 101, and we read doctor's writing day in and day out, and we took exams. No, just kidding. That never happened. (laughs) So really, (laughs) believe it or not, it just comes with practice, just like any other skill. And in this particular situation, it's a skill of deciphering doctor's handwriting. And You mean terrible handwriting. (laughs) Well, the running joke is you can only be a doctor if you have terrible writing. So I think like this used to be more of a problem in the past where everything was done by hand and, you know, when technology wasn't as like readily available or as adopted by like the physician offices at the pharmacies. But nowadays, most prescriptions are actually printed electronically, at least in like a community setting. And with like what's been happening with the pandemic, we've been getting even more prescriptions that are that are sent to us electronically because a lot of patients have now turned to seeing their doctors virtually. And it's really convenient because after they see their doctor, um, the doctor would just be like, hey, like which pharmacy do you go to? And then, you know, they'll find the information and they'll fax it to the pharmacy and that way it really helps to streamline the process. Plus the prescription looks amazing because it's printed, has everything you need to know about the prescription and the patient doesn't even have to wait. They can just come to the pharmacy and um, oftentimes by the time they arrive, we we have it all done already. So uh, it is something that we're seeing less and less of doctors just handwriting their prescriptions. And I know for you, Danielle, even in the hospital side of things, there's been recent, I guess, large investments in technology to really make sure that there's like electronic prescribing and electronic medical records and patient records. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so now we have something called um, computerized uh, provider order entry. So CPOE, because we love our acronyms. So yeah, the physician can just start typing the drug name and then the drug comes up with all of the common doses. So it just helps them to also to, to fill things in in a more efficient manner. And also it provides some uh, clinical decision support tools as well, um, which is really cool. But, you know, sometimes we still get uh, handwritten 
orders and if we don't know we call them and then we just keep calling them and then you know eventually if they know that you're just going to keep calling then they just write neater (laughs) in some cases in other cases you just keep calling them it's usually the latter just keep calling them (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't think it would be appropriate for me to be like hey doctor you need to write better i can't read your writing (laughs) it's hard to change your style of writing right it's who you are. It's your identity. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank God for electronic uh, order entry now. So uh, the next question, Alex, is why do pharmacists take so long? So I think why this question came up on Google is I think that there probably is like a, like I think the public might not have a very intimate understanding or detailed understanding of what pharmacists do day to day behind the counter because I can speak for myself like I don't think we're a very glorified healthcare provider like we aren't performing life-saving surgery we aren't like dealing with trauma or crazy scenarios that you would see on Grey's Anatomy so the things we do are very like they happen inside our brain so because of that the perception is we're not really doing much But in reality, we are constantly thinking and making sure that the drug you're getting is safe and effective. And based on everything we talked about in this episode already, like, I hope you have an appreciation or gained a new understanding of all the things we do for for patients with respect to their medication therapy. And then on top of that, now let's multiply that patient interaction by like 100 times or 200 times. Because back when I worked at a pharmacy, we were typically filling like hundreds and hundreds of prescriptions every single day so we're not just dealing with one prescription but we're also dealing with all the other patients that we're helping and on top of that we're busy answering the phone going up and down the aisles to talk to patients about their you know to make recommendations on over-the-counter products we're also busy giving vaccines providing additional clinical services like like the medication reviews so there's a lot of things that we're doing and that's why when we tell you like your prescription might take like half an hour or whatever amount of time we quote, it's really to create a buffer so we're allowed to take care of your health and while also ensuring that all the other functions in the pharmacy are running smoothly and efficiently. So that's why we quote you those wait times. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Like, don't just sit around and say, yeah, go. It's going to take 30 minutes. Let's go have a coffee, Alex. It's it's a lot that is not seen. So, yeah. Believe it or not, our next question is, why do pharmacists hate their job? Do you want to go first? I do want me to go first. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was going to say, we don't. We don't hate our jobs. Uh, don't speak for me. I'm just joking. <laughs> okay, well, I don't hate my job. Like, I personally love, love, love my job. Oh, I don't know how to answer this question. But so what I will say is, so I think what's really important is, to me, I identify sort of two reasons why pharmacists might not like their job. So number one is workload. And I think workload is something that is not to say like, oh, pharmacists have like, like the most workload out of all occupations. Like I have no idea what other professions go through what they experience but I'm sure like workload is like probably a common complaint across the board like just even beyond our profession so yeah that can really make someone not like their job if if it's if it's like super busy all the time and I'm sure you can appreciate that from like a distribution side as well we have to fulfill all these hospital orders sometimes it's super time sensitive because a patient needs it they're acutely ill 
And so there's a lot of pressure to make sure that the order is done quickly yet accurately. So it's a really important balance that you have to maintain. The other factor that I think can lead to job um, dissatisfaction is just when you have really terrible experiences with like patients or clients. And let me preface by saying like, I honestly feel like 99% of the time where you have difficulty is because the patient is sick. Like, I, I can understand why some people like would want to vent or complain, but the reality is like, patients don't want to come to the pharmacy. Like, people don't just wake up one day and just be like, I want to go to my pharmacy and, and, and see the pharmacist, right? No, nobody wants to go to the pharmacy if they don't have to. So we have to understand that people are ill, they're not at their best that can affect their mood and their emotions as well. So I always try to be as understanding as possible and just recognize that, hey, they're having a really difficult time. What can I do to make them make their life a little bit easier? Because I can guarantee you, most of the people that walk into my pharmacy have way more stresses in life compared to me. So I need to be more understanding towards them. So I personally like enjoy being a pharmacist and I, I really do enjoy helping people. The things that I particularly dislike is dealing with like the stupid administrative stuff, like dealing with insurance company. Oh my God, I hate doing that. Like that's like the worst part <laughs> of the job. If I can give drugs for free to everybody, I would, but that's not the reality. So really to have like longevity in your job and be happy as a pharmacist, you really have to love helping people. And for me, I really enjoy like solving problems and finding solutions for people. So it just makes me so happy to turn a really difficult situation into something positive and seeing your client be happy or at least um, feeling a little bit better from when they first came in originally. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so we don't hate our jobs. We love our jobs. <laughs> Some people might not always have an easy day, yeah. but I think there's definitely a distinction between those two things yeah. because, you know, sometimes my days are hard, but... I wouldn't trade my job in for anything. Like, I, I love being a pharmacist. Then that's why we're doing this podcast as well, because we genuinely enjoy what we do. Yeah. And I, I hope that it comes across in an interesting <laughs> way, because I feel like I, I would love it if other people were like, wow, that's such a cool job. And then maybe you guys, one day, our whole viewership could write to Shonda Rhimes and get her to write us into one of her amazing series. Yeah, and tell her to have more scenes than just us counting pills. Solve a really cool clinical problem when it comes to drug therapy like House. Because honestly, I think that there's definitely, my clinical colleagues definitely do that on a regular basis. And it's so, so cool. But I think the problem is, is that I think it would just take a lot of explanation. And like, I think it's not as visual. You can't really show a drug doing its thing inside the body like you can like, you know, surgery. We go back to surgery all the time because it's the most visible thing. Because, you know, Gray's anatomy is all about those surgeons. Okay, anyway, we digress. Um, you know, we're not going to go into Hollywood anytime soon, but <laughs> we can answer the next question. I will let you take it away, Alex. So where do pharmacists get their drugs? So it might be easy to assume that we just buy our drugs directly from our drug companies, like Pfizer, Merck, and the likes but there's actually like a middle person called the drug distributors or the wholesalers who buys the drugs in bulk from these drug companies 
And then the individual pharmacies would order from these uh, distributors. So it's kind of like, you know, nowadays, it's like doing an online order. So everything's computerized. So you just enter all the things you need. And then typically, um, the drugs would arrive the next business day. And if you're a really high volume pharmacy, you might even get deliveries twice a day. So yeah, that's how we get our drugs. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, the drug distributors were probably like Amazon Prime before Amazon Prime was a thing. Like they were always doing like twice daily deliveries. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it was just, it was very, very often like the supply chain and the logistics are just absolutely incredible. So yeah, good analogy with with Amazon. So moving away from questions about supply chain, the next question is, Can pharmacists prescribe? So the short answer to this one right now in British Columbia, where we live and practice, is that no, we cannot prescribe in the province of British Columbia. So there are certain provinces across Canada where pharmacists actually can prescribe medications. And these pharmacists do have additional uh, training that they need to go through to get regulated to prescribe. But that is not the case currently in British Columbia. So what I will tell you, though, is there was a study that was done out of Alberta that looked at community pharmacists adjusting the doses of um, medications for hypertension. And these patients had their doses adjusted by a pharmacist versus the patients that had uh, received the standard level of care. So had their doses adjusted by either their physician or nurse practitioner, uh, did not have as good outcomes as those that were adjusted by the pharmacist. This trend was also seen as well with diabetes medications and cholesterol medications. So I think that There is certainly utility in allowing pharmacists to prescribe medications because at the end of the day, it is all we went to school to do, right? Like we went to school to learn about drugs. So who knows drugs better than any other profession? Your pharmacist. I think that um, it's interesting because I have so many friends that have kind of told me like, you know, when we talk about different like um, medication related issues, they're like, wow, like I didn't know that you guys knew that or I that's so cool. That's so interesting. Like, wow, you know so much about this. And it's like, well, yeah, like that's all I went to school for. Like this is like this is what we do. We we know drugs. So mm-hmm. I digress. And I I don't know. I just feel like this one has been oh, like Also, pharmacist prescribing has been one of those things that has been kind of like on the table for just decades and gets like no, no, um, traction. And I think like, how to, how do you push something along that nobody knows they need because you didn't really do a good job of, of like showing and demonstrating? I don't know. Okay. Next question. I'm going to ask you this question, Alex. Will robots replace pharmacists? Are we going the uh, the short the short version or the long version? <laughs> Let's go the short short version. I think the bottom line is there's always going to be a clinical need for pharmacists. So that therapeutic thought process, I don't think you can ever fully replace it by a robot. Like sure, like yeah. there's now things like machine learning and AI, and you know there's a lot of cool applications with these technologies. But at the end of the day, I think you need like a human at the end somewhere in the process to really 
make those clinical decisions, especially when it's not so black and white, like the nuances. Because honestly, medicine is a gray area. It's never black or white. Like we're always being thrown into situations where it's like, well, I don't know. Like we've never, like there's no textbook answer for this. But what we do know is we walk through the process. We weigh the pros and cons of each decision. And based Mm -hmm. on all of that and based on our thought process we then make a decision that is most appropriate for the patient that's tailored so that's where I think as pharmacists where we truly bring value to a team yeah and no I I totally agree with you and I I don't I don't think that there is like any kind of computer that would be as sophisticated as the human brain in this respect and I think it would be asking like can machines and robots take the place of doctors and I think that the answer is no for both of those questions. Like, there's just, there's too much to know. And like you said, everything is gray. I totally agree with that. And there's just, there's so much to take into account and consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think technology can definitely help us. Oh, and 100%. I embrace all of that because I think that, you know, we shouldn't have to memorize more than we need to because yep. we should be focusing on those critical thinking and appraisal skills. I agree. So, I agree. yeah, I look forward to the robots helping us in the future. Maybe it'll be like Wally without <laughs> the sad, <laughs> depressing ending. Um, yeah, just be really interesting to see how the practice of pharmacy continues to evolve as we become more integrated with technology and yeah it kind of feels like this entire episode was I don't know it kind of feels like a a therapy session for us to (laughs) go through all these questions (laughs) but I'm hoping that um, you found this topic interesting and and yeah we we just wanted to kind of unpack what we do a little bit more um, especially being this month uh, where we want to show a little bit more love and appreciation for pharmacy and all the people that's involved in in making our jobs so amazing and that we love so much and one thing to also mention is like the things we share is is really just from you know myself community focused you know danielle is hospital focused but there's also other like non-traditional career paths that a pharmacist can can take so Um, such as academia, research, industry, government, regulation, policy, and even like health technology. So don't feel like this is like representative of like all the jobs that are available to to a pharmacist. So yeah, and if you're interested in learning more about it, like let us know. We love to kind of talk more about pharmacy. So we'll leave it up to you to let us know what you're interested in. Yeah. In the meantime, we we hope that you enjoyed this uh, episode. Um, You know, it's always interesting to see what is the most Googled question about your profession. It'd be interesting if um, you guys all checked to see what people Googled about your profession and let us know if anything surprised you that came up. Uh, yeah, anyway, and it would be even cooler if uh, the next time you listen to us, if you could give us a follow um, or, you know, slide into our DMs and tell us what you think, because, um, yeah, we're open to hearing your thoughts and we want to um, see what we can do to make it more entertaining for you. Um, yeah. And one last thing, if you are a pharmacist, 
pharmacy technician, pharmacy assistant, or somehow associated with the pharmacy team. Maybe you deliver drugs to the pharmacy. I really want to wish you, or we want to wish you, um, a happy Pharmacy Appreciation Month. And I would also encourage you uh, next time if you're in the pharmacy to um, to yeah say a little thank you to your pharmacist or pharmacy team member for um, for them providing a service to you. So that will be your challenge if next time you go to a pharmacy. Hopefully it's in March because that is Pharmacy Appreciation Month. And if it's not, still thank your pharmacist. <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> okay, that's... We need to end stronger. <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, so once again, thank you for tuning in to uh, today's episode. Um, if you want to learn more about us, you can check our website, which is healthanimated.com. And you can find us on various social media platforms. Just type at healthanimated. Thank you guys so much. And bye, bye for, for now. now. <laughs>